cast your solemn gaze upon the devil and all his minions, and protect us with your mighty staff. You fled through the night to avoid the devil's wicked designs. Now with the power of God... Welcome to Maximus Men Striving for Greatness, to our second episode of 2021. Today, we have Father Noel Custodio with us to talk about the fatherhood of St. Joseph and St. Joseph and fatherhood. Welcome, Father Noel. Great to have you. Hello, Chris, and hello to all our listeners here. Thank you for having me as well. Awesome. And if you are watching this while it streams or listening to it, you'll be watching it on the Feast of St. Joseph, so the Solemnity of St. Joseph in the month of St. Joseph, in the year of St. Joseph. So it's a real reason to Mm. feast. Um, we're lucky as Catholics that it comes to us on a Friday during Lent, so no fasting for us today. Um, we're going to be going through a lot of St. Joseph resources very quickly here. Um, so just to let everybody know that we are now here at Maximus, uh, sponsored by the Mustard Seed Bookshop, and we're going to go through the whole catalogue of what the Mustard Seed actually has on offer regarding St. Joseph and the spirituality of St. Joseph, which many Catholics are rightly getting themselves into uh, this year. So if you haven't done your consecration to St. Joseph, please do it. Uh, This is an amazing book. And Father Donald Calloway, who authored this consecration to St. Joseph, is actually one of the main reasons behind why we even have this year of St. Joseph and many of the graces that are accompanying it at the moment. It was he who sent a letter to the Vatican and also got a letter translated into Pope Francis's native tongue of Spanish about why we should have a year of St. Joseph now after the 150th anniversary of him being proclaimed patron of our universal Catholic Church. So many of you will be consecrating yourself to St. Joseph on, um, the ni- on, um, yeah, on, on his feast day the 19th of March, which for some of you watching will be today. And fear not, though, because you've got the whole year to do it. You've got your whole life to do it, really. But if you're looking for another feast day, don't forget, there's also St. Joseph the Worker on the 1st of May. So if you want to prepare yourself, get a group together and consecrate yourself to St. Joseph, then get yourself a copy of this book. I'll go through a couple of the other books. I have not read most of them, I must confess, but I was looking through them And they do look like really good resources. Um, Both of these two, A Life and Glories of St. Joseph and A Manual Practical Devotion to St. Joseph, are published by TAN, which has a good reputation for reviving old classics that um, are very beneficial to our spiritual lives. So I think you can't go wrong with a book published by TAN for the most part. So we recommend those two. And then we've got some more recent ones. So these ones are basically, uh, they've come out because of this year of St. Joseph. They got published really quickly so that people will get their hands on them this year. Um, This is written by a Maltese priest. It's also based on a 33-day consecration type model. So 33 days with St. Joseph. And then Husband, Father, Worker is a QA and a format um, written by a, a Filipino priest. Of the Order of St. Joseph's. I didn't even know that was an order before mm. I found this book. That St. Joseph really? uh, actually has a men's order. Um, then the letter that we're going to be focusing a lot of our conversation on today, Patris Corde from Pope Francis, 
which was promulgated on that 8th of December last year, the 150th anniversary of St. Joseph being proclaimed patron of the church. Then another trusted author is Mark Miravale of um, University of uh, Franciscan University of Steubenville and the Augustine Institute. So he gets us into why St. Joseph is important in our lives, how to welcome him more deeply into our lives. And then this one, which has a very beautiful icon on the front of it, mm-hmm. um, more about the Holy Family in general, not just St. Joseph, but the School of Nazareth and the Holy Family that we should be modeling all of our families after. So head to the Mustard Seed Bookshop Facebook page or their website, or if you are in Sydney CBD, head to 133 Liverpool Street, and on the ground floor you'll see a a lovely cafe with a Catholic bookshop attached to it. That's the Mustard Seed, and you'll find all these very important works there. Now, before we delve into our conversation, Father, um, I'm starting a bit of a tradition. Well, I started it with the last episode of uh, praying the prayer to St. Joseph, terror of demons at the beginning of our conversations. So if you'll join me in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. St. Joseph, terror of demons, cast your solemn gaze upon the devil and all his minions, and protect us with your mighty staff. You fled through the night, to avoid the devil's wicked designs. Now, with the power of God, smite the demons as they flee from you. Grant special protection, we pray, for children, fathers, families, and the dying. By God's grace, no demon dares approach while you are near, so we beg of you, always be near to us. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So, Father, um... You know, something came to me when I was driving home yesterday. I was thinking about our, our podcast, and uh-huh. um, I realized that your surname is is in some way intimately connected to yes, yes. St. Joseph, because St. Joseph is the custos, yes. the, the guardian. The custos, yes. And, uh, and, and that's what your surname, custodia, means, isn't it? It's, that's correct. It's, yeah. uh, it's Latin for guardian, custodian, yeah. or that's mm. where we get custodian, the one, the one who guards, and you'd find that throughout the Latin terms, especially in the liturgy. Um, mm. When it talks about when you when you ask the Lord to guard and protect us, you'd use custos or custodia, and mm. yeah, and it's a it's a very rich word, and it's a, yeah. I only recently discovered that in my own life, especially with regards to Saint Joseph, that um, it was JP two Saint John Paul the Second's yeah. um, famous encyclical titled Redemptoris Custos, yeah, 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 so it's guardian of the redeemer. That's so right, a, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of as a special kind of affinity for me, that particular title. And yeah, it's a, yeah, it kind of affirms my own kind of vocation as well in, a, yeah. in imitating St. Joseph in that way. Mm. Mm. He was uh, preparing you all along. <clears throat> yeah, no, that's uh, from the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. That's right. And tell us a bit about yourself for our listeners out there who don't know you. You're, you're recently ordained, but who is Father Noel and how did you find yourself becoming a priest? Yeah, well, that was... To tell the whole story will take the whole podcast, so I'll keep it short. Um, so, yeah, Father Noel Custodio um, is my name, currently serving in the parishes of Sydney Harbour North in the Mossburn, Clifton Gardens, Beauty Point and uh, Neutral Bay area, so North Sydney, that region. And, yeah, I was only ordained just about five months ago. So on mm. March the 19th would be 
I think my six month anniversary um, of of the uh, since my ordination. So it's uh, yeah, so that's kind of special. So it's all mm. kind of new to me. The priestly life, still getting used to, uh, you know, just learning um, the the vocation and just settling into the uh, um, yeah the ministry and all the all the things that come with it, especially the sacraments and all the things that priest gets to do. So yeah, I guess my story is that. I was born and raised in Sydney. Um, always a Sydney guy. Grew up uh, in a you know good Catholic family. I wasn't the best Catholic guy growing up. It was pretty much one of those ones where you know you went to a Catholic school, didn't really um, engage with it in a in a personal and intimate way with regards to the faith in my relationship with God. But for some reason, I always felt like God was keeping me around in church. Like I always was never too far away from attending or like participating in the life of the church, even if my heart wasn't in it. And I guess, you know, I'd attend mass. My parents were in the choir and they would, uh, and I would always just, always love, I always loved being in the choir because they were upstairs and, you know, they, there was this kind of being special because I was the only kid upstairs and there was this kind of thinking like, oh, this is cool. And anyway, um, like throughout my teenage years, it wasn't, it was never a thought in my mind that I would, um, entertain the priesthood. I never even uh, thought it was a thing. Mm. Um, it was only till World Youth Day. So it was pretty much after my high school and my first year out of high school was in university and it was a bit of a soul searching time for me and it was a, it was a perfect kind of uh, lining up um, with God's grace that you know World Youth Day was being promoted in Sydney. So it was World Youth Day 2008 and I really felt like if it was, if there was something about what I believed in that was true, I need to find, like, I need to start taking it seriously. So that took me to um, inquiring more about the faith and that led me to signing up for World Youth Day. And it was, I guess, that kind of experience um, that really just set me on a path to, um, yeah, lighting a fire in my heart that, you know, the love of God is real and 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 it's just, uh, yeah, it just, it just snowballed into a, life of journeying um, and learning more about my faith, but also serving the Lord through ministry. I got involved in a youth group called Youth for Christ, and I was pretty much involved in that um, for many years, becoming a youth leader and serving young people there. It was there that I realized that I was called to to the priesthood, where, whereby even just serving the Lord through youth ministry just got to the point where I just wanted, I wanted more. Something was calling me out to give more of myself, even if, even though I felt like I was just uh um yeah just um giving everything i had already mm. but then there was this sense of no i think you need to give everything and that i think that coincided with my deepening love for the eucharist and that just kind of drew me out of out of my uh my slumber i guess and then that led me to uh i guess eventually accepting the call that this might be where god was calling me and that and i hadn't looked hadn't looked back ever since yeah Awesome. So you're about to reach your half half anniversary. Yeah, as, yeah. As well, a priest. <laughs> it goes by quick, but at the same time, it's uh, yeah, no, it's uh, so much has happened since then. So it's yeah. been beautiful. Yeah. And of course, this year you have taken over the Furnace Podcast, which is our quick two to three minute homily podcast that we put out here in the Archdiocese mm. um, every day, right? Yeah, every day. Every day. Every day. Um, so how did you get involved in the Furnace? Uh, well. The the previous host, uh, Father Josh, he's uh, 
now commenced studies, so they needed someone to take over, and um, um, Bishop Umbers got in contact with me and asked me if I was keen to do so. And mm. yeah, I always it was I thought it was a good opportunity, partly just to uh, um, yeah, just to continuously just meditate on the scriptures and then sharing, you know, sharing the like realizing that my vocation is called to uh, spread the word of God and, yeah. and to preach the word. And if if this is a way for me to do so, I'm happy to. Uh, um, contribute in that way. So it's been a, yeah, that's also been a big part of my early ministry so far as well. Mm. Yeah. And in the furnace, are you giving the same homilies that you're giving at that mass for the day? Is it really the same thing? Or? <laughs> well, look, yeah, I, pr- I prepare, it's, it's, a, it's pr- slightly in advance. So just, yeah. you know, I've had some stuff prepared and then when I get to the actual day of, of the mass and you know, I don't know what I'm going to preach on or like I'm a bit rushed. Like I do look back on what I wrote mm. and sometimes it just gives me a bit of inspiration. Sometimes I repeat most of what I say, but yeah, um, yeah it's, it's it's a different dynamic preaching on a podcast compared to uh, in a of congregation. Course, yeah. There's uh, more interaction here. You're, you're kind of, yeah, addressing listeners in a car. So it tends to be more like a one-to-one thing because yeah. most people tend to listen by themselves. Of course, yeah. And then congregation, you kind of, you're trying to want to, get an audience feel so mm. you just change things you're up. preaching to the body yeah that's right so it's yeah. a mm, yeah no it's different it's not not a homily as such but it's it functions like that in a yeah. practical sense yeah so that's another yeah. resource that guys listening can check out um the furnace so we'll, we'll get some links to that with this in our audio and in our video versions um but let's talk about saint joseph and mm. why it's so important. Why do you think, Father, it's so important that in 2021, it is the year of St. Joseph for the church? Why, why is that important? Well, I, I guess the way uh, we started with the prayer of terror of demons, <laughs> you know, it, yeah, it's, uh, you know, if you asked me a few years ago, let's, let's bring up demons and just the spiritual battle. In a sense, in theory, I'd get it. Like, yeah, we've got to make sure we're on a, uh, you know, yeah, there is always a spiritual battle going on, but I think sure. so much more now. It's there is that sense, and I think people can just guess, even um, just sense that there is something more going on, whereby the the spiritual battle seems to be more pronounced. Where mm. there's you can just see sides more sides are taking place, where people are just like. Um, a lot more division, a lot more anxiety, a lot, just a lot more uh, yeah. um, unrest yeah. overall. And I just think um, the overwhelming interest or movement towards St. Joseph in this past few years, especially this past year, I know the, the consecration has played a big part in um, just spreading the, the, the message of St. Joseph. And, yeah. and I guess it has been a relatively new phenomenon like the the uh, the turn to Saint Joseph, but mm. I think it's very timely, and I think, uh, yeah, I think when Pope Francis released the the year of Saint Joseph on the Immaculate Conception last year, it's um, I think it's no better time at this point to turn to Saint Joseph. Partly, yeah, and I guess we'll talk about that more in terms of yeah, just why, why, why him, and why, what about him? Because he tends to be quite silent in the scriptures. So, yes. what's uh, how can we actually delve into his mystery and why intuitively I think the, the church is, I guess, like we're moving in that direction where we need to turn to him. But yeah. I, um, I think the more I pondered on it, the more I realized it's uh, like we really need his, his intercession, but also mm. his example and witness to us. Mm. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think, you know, for me as well, growing up and getting into my faith, St. Joseph was a, was a figure in the background yeah. who, you know, I'd always ask for his intercession because he's a member of the Holy Family, so mm. why not sort of thing. Yeah, why not? Um, <laughs> but now I think you look at a lot of uh, the division that you're talking about, I think a lot of it is a result of crisis in the world at large, not just in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of that comes from a fatherlessness. Yep, absolutely. And even though St. Joseph is so silent in the scriptures, all of the saints, you know, the mystics that we have such a rich tradition of in the church, mm. um, when they meditated on St. Joseph, they got incredible insights and of, of just, the, just how he... He's, a, he's the ultimate father, really. He's, he's the ultimate example of human fatherhood, at mm. least. Um, and human fatherhood is uh, something that we're lacking so much. And I think, you know, if you look into... There's a book by um, Devin Shatt called Show Us the Father. Yeah. yeah and he yeah. talks about how, especially for um, husbands and related to our wives and children, we are the conduit um, of, of who the Father is. We're the messenger of who God the Father is, mm. um, especially to our children. So if we aren't showing them a good example of what fatherhood is, then that means we're not showing them anything of who God the Father is. Mm. Uh, and so I think now that we've got this crisis of fatherhood where you can't have, where we don't have dads, or hardly any of them at least, mm. showing their children who God the Father is, uh, we need to go back to St. Joseph as that that powerful human example that we have in history and in the church yeah. of, of fatherhood. Um, and so these are some of the themes that Pope Francis addresses in Patris Corde, the letter on, um, on the proclaiming the year of St. Joseph. Mm. So we're going to go through some of those sub-themes. I've got questions lined up from, from some of the, the sub-themes yeah. in there. So the first one that he refers to St. Joseph as is a beloved father. Mm. Um, can you tell us a bit, I sort of just touched on this before, that there's been a tradition developing over time, especially uh, since the over the past the 1500s, 1600s, um, a mystical tradition of, of devotion to St. Joseph. Can you tell us about how some of the saints lived out their devotion to him? Yeah, well, uh, it's interesting. It, it, like you said, it's uh, in your own experience, but also in mind that he has been in my experience, been relatively silent growing up, even mm. when I was growing in my faith. And then now it's a, I feel like he's, he's very much essential and crucial to uh, having a, uh, to really moving forward in my faith and growing. But at the same time, I think the church in its own journey throughout the 2000 years has um, grown in its understanding and devotion to St. Joseph, whereby for the most part of the early church, it wasn't, um, it wasn't a big thing to have a devotion to St. Joseph. It was almost quite elusive. You'd see it mentioned mm. here or there, but um, um, I guess for the most part, it was uh, it was the time in the church where they were trying to figure out other things. And um, it was more about, you know, trying to figure out the nature of Jesus Christ yeah. and God and um, the hypostatic union, all the creedal formulas. And even Our Lady was, um, even though there was a strong devotion to her at the early days, there was a kind of, you know, the the proclamation of her as mother of God, as Theotokos was mm. 431, was um, really um, first and foremost trying to understand Christ. They were trying to f- figure out the natures of Christ. And in a sense, Mary's title as mother of God was kind of a derivation from that. So there is this yeah. kind of like, we need to understand 
Jesus Christ, and then eventually we'll, uh, um, as the mystery starts to in, uh, develop and envelope, there's a um, growing appreciation eventually, you know, definitely of Our Lady from the beginning, but then St. Joseph kind of kind of stays hidden for a lot, big part of the, um, the church's history. And really up until the 15th century, St. Teresa of Avila was the real, the real big one. Yeah. Um, she had, um, she called her, um, called him um, the spirit, his her spiritual father. Yeah, uh, I think after I think she was cured from an illness mm. by his intercession. So mm. she, it was really her that really promoted it. And Saint Francis de Sales yes. um, was was a, was a big one who wrote quite a bit on him as well. And then yeah, we get into the uh, those are the two big ones I can I can name from the top of my head. A few theologians start to come in, and that's when like I guess the uh, the thinking of Saint Joseph in terms of his role in the church started to really play yes. a bigger part um, as well. So that's where we eventually get to the nineteenth century and mm. the past hundred and fifty years, where we get to the, uh, um, the the popes eventually starting to have a big say in Saint Joseph, and that's why yes. uh, we're on I guess one hundred and fifty years since in eighteen seventy it was uh, Pius the Ninth who proclaimed yeah. that. Um, Saint Joseph was the patron of the Universal of the church, church, so yes. it's a uh, um, yeah now, and that's when Saint Joseph starts to get into a more uh, doctrinal kind of mm. um, focus, where we start to try to really define who he is, in the, mm. especially in his role in the church. And right now, we get to the place where I think um, after several popes have defined quite a few things, um, we can talk about that, I guess, as well. But, you know, we get to the point where now we're reflecting on something a little bit more personal with Pope Francis with yeah. regards to the father, um, the fatherhood of St. Joseph with regards to with the father's heart. And I think, mm. um, yeah, Patris Corde means with the father's heart. And, yes. yeah, and that's, uh, I think it's it's refreshing for for the church at the moment because it is, a, um, I think he's really starting to make his presence known. Mm. And, yeah, I think it's, Largely, in like like you said, to the to the uh, crisis of fatherlessness in the world today, um, doesn't mean just divorce or thing like, but just absent fathers, fathers yeah. not living up to their uh, That's right. um, to embrace their masculinity, or just mm. like the uh, and just the general confusion in terms of roles and and responsibilities, and just the call of man to uh, to really strive for greatness. And that's I guess why we have this podcast. That's right. Yeah, and. I mean, fatherlessness breeds fatherlessness, and that's the problem with it. Yeah. If you look at it from a purely sociological lens, yeah. you know, a, a guy who is brought up without a dad or with a dad who is passive or absent, you know, coming and going, problems embracing his masculinity, addiction problems, violence, alcoholism, whatever it might be, um, then his son is going to become that way too. It, it can only take an intervention by God to, to change this, uh, the sociological trend. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's why it's so important that, that we have this year and, and that you see, like you said just before, Pope Francis addressing the heart um, in, mm. in who we are as the church. Yeah. Uh, so that we can, you know, in all our father wounds, basically invite St. Joseph's intercession in there to, to try and heal those. Um, yeah. And then hopefully I'd like to see, you know, in the future, maybe somebody can start studying this, that maybe from this point onwards, we start seeing dads step up a bit more. We start seeing men take more responsibility, mm. trying to embrace 
virtues so heroically like St. Joseph did. Let's go into the next yeah, subtopic, yeah. which is um, a tender and loving father. And I think this one strikes at human nature in the way that we tend to fall one way or another. So I think tender and loving is is a virtuous balance that we should be striving for as, mm. as fathers, spiritual fathers or biological fathers. Um, today, you get dads who are, they want to be loving, so... Uh, but they haven't really been taught how to be loving with not having experienced that example very well themselves from oh. their dads. So they may just become passive or they may have their own wounds that I just addressed before. On the other hand, you have a, a father who does want to be loving as well, but he doesn't, again, he doesn't know how to show love, but he wants to make sure his kids don't, you know, turn out like the crazy youth out there. And oh. so he becomes overbearingly strict and doesn't show any of his feelings or emotions at all. Um, I think, you know, that balance of tenderness, love and justice is so important. And, but the question is how, how do we live that out? And, and how do you think, you know, St. Joseph shows us how to be a tender and loving father? Yeah, it's, um, it's an interesting one. When I was in youth group, um, back in my youth ministry days, we had this, uh, we had two titles in terms of like when we had those men's talks and those things where we talk about masculinity and all that, there was two two terms we'd often use. The first one was uh, um, tender warrior. Men are called to be tender warriors. So mm. they're both warrior and tender in the sense that on the surface it looks like an oxymoron where you're, mm. you're a warrior, you're meant to fight and, um, you know, do battle. At the same time, we're also meant to be have a tender heart, something that really connects to uh, the deepest parts of our being. Yes. Um, what I was, one priest at the seminary also called it tenaciously tender. Mm. It should be a uh, tenaciously tender. Um, but yeah, and no, I think it's a, it is a, a balance that kind of, uh, needs to touch on all parts of our being as men. And I think the, the temptation is to just, um, I guess more, more or less because we're wounded by original sin, we tend to either move towards one direction or another and we, it's hard to find that kind of harmony. And there, I really do believe in the church. We do have need to do more formation on the emotional life and with regards to recognizing just, um, yeah, for a man and how to deal with his particular emotions and to express that fruitfully with regards to knowing what the good is, but at the same time knowing how my particular emotions are allowed to, are directed towards achieving that good. And um, in my first year in the seminary, it was... Uh, I think one of my favorite courses I've ever done in, in my first year in the seminary was this thing called um, the Passions course. So we did a whole course mm. on St. Thomas Aquinas's um, um, Summa Theologica on, on the yeah. Passions, which is a, yeah. pretty much a whole year course. And it was such an important part of my formation as, as a man in particular to know that we need to have a healthy development of our emotional life. It's not just, we can't just see something that we know that... Um, some, you know, you see an injustice, but, and then I feel this kind of anger in me, but then understanding and having a kind of theology and intellectual and psychological understanding of what, what anger does and how to express that in order to mm. achieve the most just outcome for, um, a certain injustice or something that I need to do in my life that yeah. it's, a uh, it really needs, um, I do, I do believe a lot of, uh, kind of 
more uh, mainstream kind of talk in terms of just how do we think about emotions. And I think, yeah, yeah for a man especially, knowing that um, we are called to do a lot, like to be warriors and to be uh, um, to be leaders in this world. At the same time, there's we're plagued by either anger or fear or... Yeah. Um, um, what or both. You, yeah, or every, <laughs> everything, yeah. All, the, all those emotions that are pre- preventing us from um, fully being an integrated person, I think, yeah. and that's where St. Joseph really comes in because yeah. he, he comes in as the just man, the one who, in a sense, the image of how justice should be um, employed. And you, you, you're not, you don't see it in his words, but you'll definitely see it in his actions, especially with, um, yeah, there's, a, there's, there's quite a few examples. I think we'll talk about that over as we go into other parts of the, the document. Sure, but um, I think, uh, yeah, it the fact that he had to raise Jesus from, um, you know, from, 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 from being to to where he was eventually, because when he gets up to his ministry, and you know, Jesus had to lay down his life, and um, you know, many many spiritual writers and, and theologians say that Jesus had to learn in wisdom. It says in the Bible that it's um, Jesus grew in wisdom, and it mm. was Saint Joseph' example. Yes. Um, so, if you see Jesus, in in other words, um, Jesus's humanity um, really showing forth how to be a kind of tender and loving yes. um, father figure, mm. you'd see that he he would have learned a lot of those qualities from his from Joseph himself in the, in the human mm. in the human understanding. Whereby yeah. he's when you see Je- Jesus being merciful, there is a kind of reflection of St. Joseph's leadership, especially in his early years before mm. I began his ministry. So I think it is it is a helpful thing to, to know that you don't just need to look at St. Joseph's, little, the little stories that we find of him, but Jesus' own life is really not just a reflection of the Heavenly Father, but through his, through his human example and his human father and spiritual father on earth, um, St. Joseph. And I guess it's, yeah, I think that's just a, just one lens to look at it, I guess. Mm. Yeah, I've also been trying to uh, balance this, you know, just on, on the level of natural fatherhood. I've got two young little boys. Mm. Um, I've got a two-and-a-half-year-old and I've got a 11-month-old. Uh, so the two-and-a-half-month-old is in the terrible twos and, you know, he acts up and he wants to push boundaries and that's yeah, characteristic yeah. Of, of that age. Um, so now comes the time for, you know, discipline to begin to be enacted in, in some way or another, mm. you know, and so I'm trying to walk that tightrope of doing that, but then also making sure he knows that he's loved by his father. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, for example, uh, I was home the other day and we always tell him when his little brother's sleeping that he's not allowed to run up and down the hallway because he, he does this on purpose, right? He's just cheeky, you know, mm. like these two-year-olds are cheeky. So he'll stomp particularly loud when he's mm. running past his yeah. brother's bedroom door. And I keep telling him, I'm like, you're going to go in timeout if you do that again, okay? Yeah. So he does it again. He gives me a cheeky look. Okay, so timeout. He goes in timeout for two minutes. And um, then I open the door and I, I sort of go down on his level, try and make eye contact with him as much as possible. And I'm like, okay, you went in timeout. His name's Athanasius. Mm. You went... Oh, yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Athanasius. Yeah, you went in timeout right. because 
Um, you know, you ran past your brother's room when I told you not to. That's naughty. Okay, uh. don't do that again. But then I'm also trying to balance that. So then I'm also like, okay, can you say sorry? And then I tell him that I love him. Don't yeah. do it again. Give him a cuddle. Give him a kiss. Yeah. To try and show him those both sides. And I think uh, he still do- he still keeps doing it, right? He- it hasn't gone to his head yet. <laughs> That's right. So, yeah, yeah, good. Um, but at the same time, you know, I know that as kids get older and the way that their minds work become more complex, um, the way that their reason becomes more complex than a, than a two or three year old, it's going to, you know, there's going to be more challenges. It's going to go a lot deeper with how I maintain that balance, but I'm, I'm just trying to do it. I suppose that's just what I'm trying to get across. Yeah, no, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think the most tangible experience in my, especially as in my only ex- experience as a priest being a spiritual father mm. is, um, is the confessional itself. Um, yeah, of course. where you feel that like the tenderness of mercy really shine through at the mm. same time, you're not, you're not watering down any of the, um, the, um, yeah, the, the acts that the, those people who come to confession, what, when they confess, it's, yeah, you, you're offering justice through mercy. And I think mm. that's where Jesus really shines in that idea of finding a balance because justice is um, like God's, as I think it was St. Faustina, God's mercy is his, God's justice is his mercy. Like yeah. it's, it's, there is this kind of elevated and transcendent kind of form of justice whereby mm. justice is, is approached through the lens of God's ultimate act of forgiveness on the cross, and there is this kind of, um, yeah, both are accomplished in the in the one act. And I, yeah, I really do see that in the confessional, where you can really, if you want to encounter the the fatherhood of God, and I think that should be something we really need to focus on in our church. That we yeah. really need to work on the renewal of the sacrament, mm. and really encourage people to go back to confession, not so we can get everyone. You know, yeah, of course we need people. Um, in the state of grace, at the same time, just that real sense of encountering the fatherhood of God, and there's no other place that I experience that so tangibly than in, than than in the sacrament. Yeah. Um, as a penitent, more than as a confessor. Mm. Um, and I've it's only been a f- few months, but anyway. Yeah. Um, but I love going to confession. I think that's that's a big reason why. Um, mm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think um, I, I heard one Catholic commentator put it that. God's justice and mercy are so linked that it would almost do us a favor if we would just hyphenate the word yeah. and make it justice mercy. Yeah, yeah, it's just yeah. one word yeah. rather than saying, rather than sometimes I feel like when we, when we talk about it in overly simplistic terms, which it might come across that way when we're trying to, for That's example, right. teach a young kid who's preparing for his first reconciliation or something like that. Um, you know, this is what's just, but then, but then there's also his mercy. And then in a way God can come across as this, this um, bipolar figure. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and it's like, no, well, it's actually the same characteristic. And it's, uh, it's dependent on what we're asking for by our actions, by our intentions, mm. um, you know, what we, what we get in return for it. Sort yeah, of yeah. And it's really the, I guess, the journey of revelation in the scriptures that it's, it, you really come to see the merciful God only fulfilled on the cross. And mm. I think there's, I think when we kind of just bird's eye view just one part yeah. of the scriptures where we, think about God's justice, especially mm. Old Testament kind of things. And yeah. we don't see the the full revelation plan, panned out where it's really, it was ultimately heading towards this moment of redemption yes. for us. Then, you know, I guess we can easily box or put put those two um, separate. But I think, yeah, you're right. It's, it's, mm. it's, there's really 
should be really coming together. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so the next subheading is St. Joseph as the obedient father. I think this one does stand out in a way because in our secular society, where we're very steeped in certain ideas about masculinity, um, obedience does not uh, attract men as the kind of virtue in the world that they're Mm. trying to live up to. And even for Catholic men in the corporate world and that sort of thing, they are probably not thinking uh, of obedience as a priority. Um, So, you know, as laymen out in the world, we've got to to have a foot in the world and a foot in the church and and being, you know, the domestic priests in our households and that sort of thing. Mm. Um, We don't have to take a vow of obedience, yet we do need the virtue of obedience. So what does that look like for us? Yeah. Well, on the on the religious side of things, yeah, we have this, you know, the famous evangelical councils of, mm. of poverty, chastity, and obedience. And you know, when I was in the seminary, we were we had the discussion that out of all those three, poverty, chastity, and obedience, um, you might have thought chastity might be the most countercultural, but it seems today that obedience yeah. is the most countercultural because we are in an age of um, autonomy, free choice. It's all about yeah, having the freedom to choose, and that's the most mm. important thing, and that's you know led us to a, a real slippery slope in in many ways, especially with regards to uh, like choice and pro-choice and um, the issue of life and pro um, abortion and all those things today that people can it's free to choose, but really our obedience really comes firstly to be to being obedient to God first and foremost, and you know as a worker and uh, called to be in the world. I think Saint Joseph was perfect because he was he was a worker himself. He didn't yeah. like he had to raise the family and be obedient to God. At mm. The same time, his um, you know we always think of we always proclaim Mary's Mary's fiat like Mary's yes, yes like be it done to me according right. to Thy word and you know the most famous yes in history. At the same time, jo- Joseph had had to do many yeses himself. Um, we call it the uh, um, the theologians call it the pat- paternal fiat, like the okay. fatherly fiat. Mm. Like Joseph had to do a, a, his own fiat as well several yes. times, um, um, I guess even more than Mary in terms of mm. regarding the stories of that yeah. he's in, that he had three dreams where he, yes. where he uh, do not be afraid, Mary the first angel. The, the angel came said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Then he's yeah. like, go off to Egypt and then go back mm. to go back to Israel. Yeah. Um, so in... In many ways, he he had to say yes and put himself in an uncomfortable position um, to follow in trust the will of God, you know, just trusting in a dream. And it's a, it's a big example for us that he, he just got up and did it. And I think, you know, whether the great message of Joseph, especially for men, is that, you know, he, he did. I think the beauty about his silence in the gospel is that he didn't say anything. He just got up and did it. Like there is this kind of sense of like, no, this if this is the will of God for me, and I need to know that I need to follow it in my life, um, regardless of the consequences. Like he went to Egypt, you know, mm. this is not it's not just like go flee or just hide away for a little bit. He had to go to, you know, where um, pretty much the the arch nemesis of Israel, yeah, especially in the, the land of his forefathers' slavery. Yeah, that's right. Where they was there for four hundred years and. He had to live there. It's not like he was just there and just hide no, for a bit. He had it was to, a couple of years. Yeah, whatever time he spent, he like he had to just live in a in a pagan country where mm. everything of his traditions and um, 
you know, everything that he was he grew up with, he had to just sacrifice for the sake of protecting, you know, the Son of God and his um and our lady. And it's uh and just the hero heroism of of that um of Saint Joseph. I think that just that just gives us a good example for exa- especially when we have to encounter tensions in the workplace and just in, in the world itself with regards to um just moral moral kind of questions, especially following um, you know, our bosses, whatever they they might put on us, or just um, just the world in general, because it's a uh, it's um, very tough to be um, to to follow Catholic morals and and our faith in general without um, having to really um, engage in a kind of um, eventual conflict. If we're not having that kind of conflict in some way or another, then I think we're not really, I guess. Um, yeah, showing forth what we're meant to do as Christians and to spread the gospel. So, yeah, that's yeah. No, Saint Joseph's. Uh, he, he he was all about his. Um, they have the you know the have the Marian fiat, the Saint Joseph fiat, and then Jesus's own fiat on, on in the Garden of Gethsemane. In a sense, all kind of three work together. Where eventually we need to, from Mary's fiat and Joseph's fiat, we get to Jesus's one, where he kind of, um, you know, let. Let this car pass from me. Yeah, going against him. But um, if it's your will, let it be done, and that led to his crucifixion and that outpouring of love for the sake of, for the sake of the church and and yeah, his bride, the church. So it's a, uh, um, yeah, I think all those examples, especially Saint Joseph, but I think that ultimately points us to Jesus' own yes, yeah, and obedience to obedience unto death. So yes, mm. yeah, and the next the next topic is actually intricately connected to obedience and I think because it's an accepting father and I think we can be obedient in an open-hearted way of a yes Lord I really do want to do your will my heart's desire is to do your will or we can be obedient in that and I think sometimes this happens like you know I notice it even happening in myself if I don't get good prayer time in for a day or two Mm. it's kind of like oh well I guess I'll just do this thing you know because God wants me to but you know I just don't really feel like it at the moment sort of thing um uh we can become bitter and resistance in in our obedience um or we can we can actually do what Saint Joseph did and do it wholeheartedly lovingly um but I think this is also this also contradicts our desire is meant to fix problems and, you know, make things go the way that we want them to. We often are good as men at seeing a solution or what we think is the best solution to the mm. problem. Yeah. Um, but I think this one kind of takes us further into humility. I think this accepting one's really about trust and humility. Yeah. Um, so how can, how can St. Joseph teach us to be humble, accepting and trusting? Yeah, no, it's, I think the great example in St. Joseph's life is, the dilemma he had to face with regards to Mary's, um, you know, s- pregnancy, like mm. the fact that, um, you know, said that he was, he had, he sought to take leave of her or, you know, yeah. or divorce and, mm. um, and just, um, him having to ponder what the Lord's will for him was in that and had to accept it and trust in it was, um, pretty much one of the, uh, um, the great examples of just complete trust in the Lord in yeah. that situation whereby, you know, there's all these theories about why Saint Joseph wanted to take leave of Mary, and um, whether um, you know he was he suspected her of adultery, or he was just he had just he was just completely dumbfounded. All these different theories, and you know, there's um, the one 
I think most people are starting to accept now is the is the reverence theory that yeah, that idea right. that the mystery of um, of Mary's of what God did for Mary was so um, it's just beyond anything that he could comprehend. It's just yeah. reverencing the mystery of what just happened that you know he, he didn't feel like this was him to his role to take. So he um, mm. so he thought that was it's the sort best. of a, sort of a precursor to Saint Peter, isn't it? In a way, of, yeah, that's right. Of yeah. Um, you know, Lord, depart from me, kind of thing. Like I'm I'm not good enough to associate myself so closely with you. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's I think we all have those doubts with regards to yeah. our own calling and mission with regards to uh just accepting the Lord's call in our life and mm. St. Joseph's courage and ex- just accepting that this is no, I'm actually calling you to do something mm. uh profound and that's take Mary as your wife who who has the son of God in her womb right now. Mm. And it's um yeah, and just and how what more of an important role to to protect the holy family than than that. So his role as, in a sense, yeah, the guardian of the Redeemer was, um, yeah, something, you know, it's, I think the more we ponder on that, the more, the more beautiful it is just how, how special Joseph's role was that he had to protect the very mystery of salvation and to make sure that it kind of got to the place where it needed to be, even though we don't seem, um, as Jesus grows up, um, if he wasn't there and if he didn't, if he didn't trust, then we wouldn't, the mission of, yeah, the mission of Jesus wouldn't even have gotten to where it was. So, and we wouldn't be where we are today. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I think this one stands out today in our culture because, again, if you went back even, you know, 50 years, then Joseph seems more like an everyday quiet saint. But now that family life in the way that the church asks us to live it, you know, faithful, being present to our wife, being present to our children, mm. um, and being open to life. Yeah. These sorts of things are now becoming radical. These these things that, that St. Joseph lived out are now becoming radical. So in the past, Catholic men might have thought, oh, well, you know, of course, this is what I'll do. This is what society also expects of me. Mm. But now it's like you really have to go against the tide to say, okay, you know, I'm going to sacrifice wealth because economy the economy is not geared to having a big catholic family for example yeah um i'm going to sacrifice wealth just to to even spend the extra time with my family um to prioritize my children's education in the faith you know Mm -hmm. to be able to pass some of that down directly from myself um to learn the faith rather than do something else that the culture might be tempting or asking me to do all of these things are you know these are these are now Within the context of today's culture, a radical mission as well. Yeah, they didn't used to. They didn't used to look like a radical mission, but now they are. Yeah, and I think you know, guys listening to this need to know, like, even if you are just a dad and, and a husband, uh, being a husband and a dad are now in the Catholic context a radical mission to live out. Um, and because you know, where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. Yeah. Um, we have a world that's abundant in sin, so there's there's now more grace to be able to live what used to be seen as everyday, you know, blah, milk, toast, just a fatherhood to husband vocation is uh, now it's now it's really the pathway to become a saint. Yeah, yeah. No, it's in a similar way the priesthood is is now oh yeah just no. as much like even from just how how quick th- things have changed in the past ten years when I joined the seminary about eight years ago. Hmm. Um, the climate's changed so much just yeah. in eight years with regards to how people see the priesthood and mm. um, 
you know, it was, um, yeah, there's a lot more uh, antagonism towards towards us now. So it's uh, at the same time, it's precisely there where, like you said, it's it's where saints are made and where, yeah. like, if we're if we're going to live our, our Catholic faith, then if really that's it's where it counts. Yeah, that's it's yeah, no, it's it's a lot more clearer now for us to. No, this is the imperative. Like, we're, mm. it's, if we don't do it, then, um, yeah, we'll, we'll just flow with the rest of the tide, and um, it's going in a very troubling direction. Yes. Yeah. So, the next topic or subheading of um, Patris Corde is Saint Joseph as a creatively courageous father, and I want to go on a larger scale of where we are in our culture with, with talking about this one, Father. Um, yeah, yeah. Because we seem to live in a world where the majority of um, our leaders in the highest positions, I'm especially talking about um, our politicians um, and those who are given power just because of their celebrity, especially as well, um, and even in a sense some of our leaders in, in the faith as well, um, seem like they're selling themselves to, to be bought for, for power. Then they're, they're not being courageous and definitely not, you know, finding creative ways and creative situations in which to be courageous. Um, so what's the, what's the way out? Like how, how do we get men like Joseph um, to, to lead us, you know? I'm not just talking about the church, in the world and in the church. Mm. Oh, that's a huge question. Yeah, the, I mean what, that's massive. What's, yeah, well, well, the way out is a uh, no. Yeah, but it's a uh, it's it's definitely uh, a very the one of the pressing issues in terms of mm. um, just having people in leadership that really stand in the image of Joseph is um, like, yeah. a, it's hard to just name any. Well, you know, it's, it's hard to just say this one is a real Saint Joseph kind of man. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's that's. In one way, disheartening. At the same time, gets me back to that terror of demons thing. This is yeah. kind of like this is uh, <laughs> this is where we are at the moment, and we this is why we need Saint Joseph's intercession, mm. and and it's a big reason why, yeah, why we're we're all kind of moving in this direction of I think we need Saint Joseph now to really lead the way, yeah, um, and set the example for us. So in a sense, that's 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 it's currently hopeful. like yeah the movement for us in the church. So I think it's uh that's hopeful in that sense, mm. um, but yeah, just. They're going back back to the issue itself, like that's um, leadership's um, pretty much was there from the beginning. Where I just just keep being reminded with regards to uh, um, with Adam and Eve, with and just that those words when God after they commit the fall, and um, when God says, "Where are you?" and you see like Adam was, you know, when Eve gave the the fruit to Adam and says he gave the fruit to his to her husband and who was with her mm. and he ate of it there was this kind of like he just watched the uh yeah. her bride kind of just fall into um giving into temptation and yeah. he was just there the whole time mm. and really that's a summary of you know a lot of the problems where we're just we're there but we're not not rising up to the occasion addressing that the like the person right next to you whether it's whoever it is, your neighbor, but really the church, like in a, in a sense as well, we're not fighting for her. We're not, um, mm. um, yeah, the goal of St. Joseph is to, was to protect Mary and especially, um, and Mary 
for us is not just Our Lady in terms of our personal devotion to her, but like Mary as a symbol of the church itself, that we're meant to protect the Immaculate Bride, the church. Like we're meant to keep her pure. We're meant to be a St. Joseph to the church itself, whereby, um, yeah, protecting her, like not just in, um, you know, just making sure we, you know, stay alive as a church, but staying hold, holding fast to truth, holding fast to uh, um, the teachings and, um, yeah, not not um, staining the bride um, because, you know, if, if Mary is an image of the church and she was immaculate, that the church is meant to be spotless as well and we keep staining her um, by by our failure of, uh, yeah, protect, protection, not being mm. the men that we're called to be. Um, um, yeah, look, it's uh, the way out. <laughs> uh, yeah, look, I think St. Joseph is... is um, is an exciting time for us to, that we can just cling on to, and I hope the more we we ponder on his mystery, I think we can. Um, I think we'll uh, we'll get to a place where we can. Um, I'm sure, especially raise um, s- strong saints in yeah, for um, sure. in the image of Saint Joseph, especially um, fathers, um, married men, spiritual fathers, and mm. um, bishops and priests, and all that. And I think it's. Uh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think too, you know, I, I know in our current climate, for some people, the Benedict option is appealing um, yeah. to just get out of the mess while, yeah. while it's all going down. Uh-huh. But I think every man needs to discern and every Catholic needs to discern the fact that, hey, you know, God actually does want to have people in uh, positions of government and positions of power and positions of influence and he wants to call individuals to take on those roles oh. and to live them out courageously. Um, and for people who are in those roles, uh, he's there with the grace to help them convert if only they'd be open to it. Oh. Um, so I think that gives us a much more hopeful view of things rather than just dismissing it all yeah. um, and saying, okay, well, these are things that we should be praying for and these are things that I should be discerning. You know, God, what do you want me to do to to help make your kingdom come here on earth, oh. you know, to to make the social kingship of Christ happen yeah. in in our world. Um, yeah, that kind of connects to the next one too. Uh-huh. Saint Joseph as a working father. We've got the feast of Saint Joseph the worker, oh. um, which in a in a in a way in the in the most prominent way really that was um, put in place to counteract communism. Yeah, that's and right. Mayday. That's right. Um, <laughs> uh, because we have a fundamentally different view of work. Um, so what does St. Joseph teach us? He doesn't just teach us about a work-life balance. I mean, it goes much deeper than that, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> work-life balance, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, what does he teach us? Yeah. Uh, um, he does really stem in the tradition of all the, the great figures of Israel in in terms of, uh, yeah, especially from the beginning, like Adam was said that, God put him in charge to till and to keep. And mm. the words in Hebrew is avad and shema. And mm. shema is where we get kustos, is okay. um, guard, to till and to guard. And that's where we... Yes, he um, was the guardian of, yeah, of the garden of Eden. Yeah, guardian of the garden. And it was... Um, that is also... Um, those two words combined, the only time you see them in the Old Testament, um, mm. most specifically is in um, when 
the priests are serving in the temple. So it is priestly language sure. whereby his work was not just, hey, go take care of the garden, but really it's um, something whereby um, the very work has a kind of priestly element to it where it's it's part of the working of building the kingdom of God. And, um, yeah, all, all our work should be ordered towards that. It's not... Um, it's um, something where, especially St. Joseph, it, he's... He was called a tecton in in Greek. It's a, yes. which is the word for you know carpenter, but at the yeah. same time it's a craftsman, craftsman, yeah. especially. And that's uh, um, there's a lot of talk about that that image of tecton as not just um, image of a craftsman, but it was also applied to God at times where it was God as craftsman, like mm. how He created the world. And yes. Joseph, in a sense, participates in God's very act of creating, and um, pretty much that's what. All our work's called to do. We're mm. sharing in the very act of um, participating in God's own work to yeah. to build about um, His very own kingdom. That He He we're in the image of God. So in a sense, part of our work is to do God-like things, and that's mm. to create. And Joseph is that pretty much archetype of what it means to yeah to to create. Like He. Like yeah, he's meant he does his very work was to make mm, things. Made stuff out of wood. Yeah, makes <laughs> makes stuff out of wood. And like in a sense, um, there's this. I think, uh, Mike Aquilina had this released a new book. Um, I think on, I don't know. I think it's recent. It's about Joseph in his world. Um, and he talks about this. He compares Joseph with Herod. That hmm. Herod was trying to build the. Uh, he helped rebuild the temple in terms hmm. of. Uh, renovating it to the glory that it was at the time of Jesus. And, and you see Joseph as the builder and then how he was comparing that, how um, Herod might have been interested in employing someone like Joseph to, to help build the temple. Right, and right. then really there's this, yeah, because, you know, he needed workers and mm. Joseph was pretty much one of the, uh, you know, if he's a just man, he would, would have been a top candidate. Top, top yeah. candidate. He had yeah. a, would have had a good resume for helping build that the, the massive temple and that big project that Herod was, um, um, yeah, doing. But then yeah. really his his big role was not to uh, go over there but to help build the, the holy family and to mm. raise, you know, the true temple, which is Jesus himself. And Amen. there's this, yeah, and I think that that's just a kind of nice little comparison that really it's um, mm. the earthly work that we do. It's, it's all ultimately a participation in the very work of God in, in creating and 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 work like yeah it's a um we are in the image of god so therefore everything we do should have that kind of how is anything i do um a kind of sharing in what god's um imaging god in the world in some way and work mm. is definitely a big part of that and it's, yeah. you know it takes up a large majority of our lives so yes um yeah and it's and that's really indicates the dignity of work and how um yeah, Saint Joseph is pretty much that. Yeah, May the first is Saint Joseph the worker. Um, yes. Yeah, so hopefully, if you didn't consecrate to the listeners, if you didn't consecrate this um, March nineteenth, then I think um, if you do it, you'll have to start on I think March the third, March the thirtieth, if you're going to get to May the first or something yeah. like that. Yeah, end of March. So you got a few more days to uh, begin a new thirty-three day consecration. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, very, very important. Um, and I think, you know, I was, I was listening to a uh, Lectio-based podcast 
talking about the gospel where Jesus talks about storing up your treasures in heaven. Mm. And um, he was talking about how that's really just based on, on doing things with sacrificial love yeah. for the sake of your soul and, and the souls of those around you. Mm. Um, and we can apply that to our work. I think that's really the most simple and useful application of, of our work. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Putting in an effort, um, doing something, you know, as long as it's moral, that can have value for our souls. That's right. And yeah, uh, yeah. how close we, we end up being to, to Jesus in heaven. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Not all works like directly connected to the proclamation of the gospel. Mm. Like it's, uh, it is a lot of the time through menial or everyday actions done with the spirit of, um, yeah, like you said, self-sacrificial love and yeah. the spirit of St. Joseph and, and imitation of Christ that it's a, mm. that's a work in itself and that's a, um, very much all part of yeah, all, what we're called to do in our vocations, whatever it is and however we're called to uh, um, yeah, imitate, um, imitate St. Joseph and God. Um, yeah. Yeah. Now, the final subheading is a father in the shadows, which is, that kind of stands out as the most idiosyncratic title yeah. on here. What does Pope Francis mean when he's talking about a father in the shadows? Yeah, um, it was an interesting one for me as well. The, uh, he does reference a Polish author that really the, the message that he was trying to portray is that um, St. Joseph is a kind of shadow of mm, the father. Of the father yes. And it's, it's, um, it's a way of saying, and I think it's a different kind of emphasis in rather than using St. Joseph as an icon of the father or a image of the father, that shadow is, is another way of expressing it. And I realized, I realized when I looked into it that, um, quite a few authors used, um, shadow as, as the kind of, um, way of describing, um, Joseph's role in relationship to the father as a kind of shadow. And I think if you just think about it, the, the image of the shadow is, you know, we are, um, the shadow is not the thing itself, but it's just a reflection of the thing. Yeah. And I think um, uh, when you think about an icon or, or something, it points towards something or it's a window towards something else. But yeah. I think the idea of the shadow, it's kind of like going the opposite way. It's going mm. down to, towards the it's earth. It's an inversion. Yeah. yeah, that's right. So in a sense, it's expressing the same thing, but it's kind of like when you see Joseph or when you, when you look, think about the Heavenly Father, it's almost like the Heavenly Father's asking you to look down mm. towards his shadow, which is St. Joseph. Yeah. So there's this kind of like, and I think the whole history of the church has asked us to, and you know, the scriptures and everything, all of our traditions directed towards the Father. But at the same time, once we look in that way, we are also asked to look towards towards the shadow itself, which is which is St. Joseph. So I think mm. that's the way I, I'm, I'm pondering it at the moment, yeah. where it's a kind of like, it's a, Almost like a yeah, an inversion going down to mm. to what's what's it what what's God pointing to? Yeah, and He needs this is my earthly example. Have a look at Him. Um, you know, I'm up in heaven, but this and you know, I did give you examples, and really, Jesus only had one example, and we only have one example that um, of fatherhood, perfect fatherhood, with regards to um, with Joseph. Um, 
Yeah, I think, I don't know. I think that's what I got with Shadow. I don't know what yeah. you got. <laughs> yeah, well, just as you're talking, it's making me think yeah. of how the saints talk about how, you know, at least as human beings here on earth, if we were to see God in all of his glory, like we couldn't handle it, we would die oh. on the spot. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so because we can't handle it, but we do need to meditate and reflect on God the Father and his glory. Um, and so God needs to point us to something that would not blind us Yeah. <laughs> um, to understand his fatherhood. That's right. And, and St. Joseph is that, basically. Yeah. And yeah. in a sense, we are all meant to be that. And I think that's mm. everyone... You know, in your experience in mind would, would probably be the same that we men especially work through imitation. We mm. like we imitate those that we look up to and yeah. it's a uh, and I think you see it from the youngest youngest ages really. Yeah, and yeah. the more I more I pondered that in my own life, regards to my own father figures, where it's mm. my own father and you know, I always thought about in theory, yeah, that this is something that we do as men, but mm. Like the more I've just got to know myself as a person, who I am and my own weaknesses and my own um, tendencies and things that I feel like I need to work on or even the gifts that I have, like everything that I've, I can say that I've developed into, I'm starting to find more and more that more of those roots in the figures in my life, especially my own father and my, um, yeah, those are what I looked up to, the men that I looked up to, especially then. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be here if I didn't have good priest figures, but at mm. the same time, I wouldn't, um, yeah, my own vision of fatherhood is very much shaped by that. So of course, those fathers, and if we don't have, if we don't have St. Joseph, then we can easily just project the best image of fatherhood on imperfect people like, um, the people in our own lives, but even though if they have good qualities, but that's why we do need a, uh, you know, the best example possible and mm. St. Joseph. Mm. So, yeah, yeah. So we are getting over time now. Um, I imagine. Yeah. yeah. Um, but no, thank you so much, Father Noel, for helping us to dip our toes into the depths of the mysteries of St. Joseph and devotion to him and even into the fatherhood of God, really. Mm. Um, there's a lot to meditate on and, and pray about there. Um, now, just to plug a few things before we go, uh, a family entrustment has been written that has the imprimatur of um, our Archbishop, Anthony Fisher. There's going to be a QR code appearing on the screen magically now, and um, it's going to stay on the screen for a few seconds so that you can actually pause the screen, or you can keep it running and you can you can hold your phone up to that. And if you haven't been able to access it, it is going out to all the parishes in the Archdiocese, um, and you can entrust your family to St. Joseph, and it's beautifully designed as well, so we would encourage you to even frame that and, and put that up in your house. Um, you might like to do that on the Feast of St. Joseph the Worker. If you haven't done it before, you've actually uh, listened to this podcast. Mm. Uh, there are also cards going out to all the parishes of all the different ways summarized that you can get a uh, plenary indulgence for this year of St. Joseph. So we encourage you to make use of that. You can get a plenary indulgence every day of the year of St. Joseph. And it's actually not really that hard, just a couple of prayers um, the hard thing is being detached from sin <laughs> and uh, and uh, sinful tendencies as well. That, that, that's the that's the tough thing that we actually really need to work on and and surrender ourselves to God in order to to actually get a plenary indulgence. Um, in terms of events, we have the Camino of Saint Joseph coming up, and that is happening on the vigil and on the 
feast itself of St. Joseph the Worker. So there's going to be a group of guys that are walking from Menai to Brighton Sands, stopping at the six, six parishes in between and at the start and the end of that route. Uh, at every parish, there'll be a 15-minute reflection on the subheadings that we've spoken about today and half an hour of adoration after that. There'll also be time for confession throughout the walk. And so if you want to challenge, do some real penance, give up a night of sleep, but have some real fraternity as well, then we encourage you to book in your spot for the communion of St. Joseph. And I'll get the links up around this podcast and up on the screen now for you to apply for that. Tickets are on sale for that now. We're not taking any more than 60 guys. So book now. Um, Something else that we're doing, also not really taking much more than than 60 guys, although we probably could make room, is we're doing an online course called Be a Man. Some of you might be familiar with Father Paul Chandler. Uh, Father Paul is the chaplain for Frisati Australia, and that's a group that I've been involved in um, as I uh, became a man in the the church, um, living in some of the Frisati houses in Brisbane. Now there's one in Melbourne, now there's one in in here in Sydney as well. And Father Paul has his doctorate in masculine theology. So he's written a book called Esto Vir, which just means be a man in Latin. And we're going to be doing a book study and a course uh, just on Zoom based on that. And he's going to be presenting new content every fortnight for us and, uh, and giving us reading in the book to do to really grow in our understanding of masculine theology. As we do that, we will better understand St. Joseph too. Uh, anything else, please follow us on Facebook. If you've got Telegram, we've got a group on Telegram going and subscribe to our e-newsletter that comes out every fortnight that sort of um, aggregates all of the different things happening in men's ministry around the Archdiocese of Sydney and beyond. So please uh, get involved in all of those things. Uh, Father, could you give us a closing prayer and a blessing as well? Yeah, yeah. That'd nice. be great. I think just the just the last thing I really encourage everyone as we go to Saint turn to Saint Joseph that mm. we follow his kind of model of um turning to God. Especially um one of the images I get is that Saint Joseph was a model of adoration because, you know, if Mary was the first tabernacle, then in a sense Joseph was the first kind of um sign up for our Eucharistic adoration whereby, you know, the it's it's a very beautiful posture of that we're all called to as men to go, uh, and everyone listening, that we're all to just called to be on our knees and turn to mm. turn to our to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And Joseph was a, is a model of that kind of posture. So Amen. let us turn to him now, and um, yeah, just ask for his his blessing, the Lord's blessing, right us in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, you gave us Saint Joseph as a model of um, fatherhood for us all, and we just ask that. You bless us, and especially all the men listening and all those who are listening today, that you uh, just really shine your heavenly fatherhood and your love upon us and show us and guide us in this um, time, especially you know, in all the things that we have to go through in our lives and in the world today, that through the intercession of St. Joseph and through his example, that we may learn to strive to be holy and saint, holy saints to do your will, and we ask that St. Joseph's intercession may guide us and especially lead us to um, to Our Lady and your Son, Jesus, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. St. Joseph, terror of demons, pray, pray for, for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Lord bless you all. 
Thank you, Father. Thanks, thanks again for joining us. Yeah, you're welcome. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, guys, for listening. Stay um, following us, and uh, you'll be updated and, and come to our events as well. Cool. God bless you all. Until next time.